2: Hi, y'all. Welcome back to Tigris, and happy fucking Pride Month. Um, We're really excited for this episode because I feel like I haven't really talked to my guests about this topic so much, nor is it something that I've talked about in great detail on this podcast before. But we're very excited to dive into it, and I'm joined by my friend, icon, filmmaker, production, baddie, company owner... (laughs) (laughs) Jelena Lee hi Jelena hi um you might remember Jelena from a few episodes that we did in the past about being recovering girl bosses and just navigating the crazy New York City um, as Asian American young women but we're back here to talk about I think in celebration of Pride Month but also just out of curiosity about our relationship with queerness I identify as pansexual
3: and I identify as bisexual, but my understanding of bisexuality includes people of all genders. So similar yeah. to pansexual. Yeah. And it's like a very sacred time for us as we end Asian yeah. <laughs> History Month and begin Pride Month. And so I feel like it's peak Gaysian season right now. Peak Asian.
2: <laughs> well, you we, we have a different experience than me at this moment because I'm currently in a monogamous heterosexual relationship with a Tall white boy, (laughs) which is kind of out of my usual
3: where I would be if I were single. Like, it kind of feels like the opposite sometimes. Yeah. And how do you feel? I mean, so I feel like already as femmes, it's hard for people to like see us as queer or like whatever their perception of what gay is or what queer is or bi or pan or whatever. So how do you feel about that? Also being in like a monogamous relationship with a cis man?
2: Well, I think... I've always had like kind of a complicated relationship with like even identifying publicly as queer because I think I've talked to you about this a lot before where I was not out for years and there were like kind of very solid or not solid but I had very clear reasons why I wasn't out and a lot of it was because I didn't want to be publicly branded as being queer as a epithet to anything that was about my work right like because I think I saw a lot of other friends young entrepreneurs young activists were going out there coming out as queer and suddenly Every single interview that they do, they're asked about it. Every single headline that there is, it's about being que- the queer young whatever. And already, if you look at a lot of my earlier headlines, it's like Nadia Komodo, 18 year old Asian Harvard student, right? And I knew that as soon as I came out as queer, it would be like queer as something that always became before my name. And I think for me, it wasn't that there was never like i I'm ashamed of it. It was like I didn't want it to take away from my work. And I felt like it, I, d- I didn't have enough conclusions about it myself mm. to be able to talk about it at that moment. But I would say, like, when people hear that I'm pansexual, the first thing they say is, oh, but you don't look queer.
3: That's what people say? Yeah.
2: And, like, even my progressive like, friends. What, like,
3: in, in what situations? Well, I'll
2: ask them about it. And a lot of it is, well, it's how you dress. You've never, like, had dyed hair. I hear that a lot from <laughs> audience die. members, like, when I'm speaking to, like, I just never would assume because of what you look (laughs) like, (laughs) right? So I think that there's still obviously a lot of, honestly, I think confusion out there. Um, And so I think that's a really big part of it. But I would say a lot of it is, oh, but you, are you really queer? Like there's kind of an interest of people who are like, but did you actually ever have sex with someone who wasn't a guy? Like prove to me that you're a queer like, and this this isn't a marketing thing for you. Like, the, the I feel that kind of hunger from other people when they hear that for, like, my dating history or my sex history um, because of who I'm with right now.
3: Yeah. I feel like that's how we're all conditioned to react yeah. almost. And even because my sister uh, is a lesbian, mm-hmm. but first came out as bi. And I can't remember how old I was, but she was, I think, in high school or something. Yeah. And I remember I, I mean... I, I grew up around a lot of, like, queerness, so I never thought that it was, like, weird or strange. Yeah. Um, but at that point, I didn't identify as, like, bisexual or, or queer. And when my sister, like, came out as bi, my reaction was, like, oh, how do you know? Yeah. Yeah. And so now I feel like when people react that way, like when family friends react that way, I think it's because they have some questions within them that maybe they have or have not felt like safe and comfortable enough to explore of being like, oh, if you hadn't if you haven't had sex with someone that's not a man, like, how do you know? Yeah. And I think it's because they're like, oh, I've always thought, you know, yeah. this person is like really hot or it's about the person. And I think it's like the language too, especially with people from different generations of like, oh, you know, parents or aunties being like, oh, I'm attracted to the person. I'm not attracted to like the gender or something and being like, that sounds pretty gay. <laughs>
2: <laughs> when did you first start questioning or experimenting?
3: Hmm. In high school, well, because you know the theater and uh, that whole like background, I did so much like performing arts. So there yeah. was a lot of like experimentation and different stuff going on. So I remember I was in this play in high school, and in the cat, ca- like the cast party, the director kissed me, who was a girl, and I was like the like, older
2: director or like someone your age. She
3: was in high school, but uh, she was older. Yeah, and I was like, oh, <laughs> but I didn't actually like her. Yeah, but that was like my first. uh experimentation I guess like in high school yeah yeah what about you
2: um well so for me again I don't think I ever label like I always thought I was like very straight because I had only had sex with men for a while it's only in like the last few years where I was doing like a lot of journaling and like a lot of introspection that I started to realize like how early it started for me Mm. like again I don't I didn't really I didn't even like kiss another girl until I got to college but when I look back on it, like I have this very vivid memory of being in second grade and there was this French girl in my class named Mona and we had a sleepover and we would touch each other like out of curiosity going to sleep. But it wasn't like a, we were in second grade again. We were like eight years old and it was like a touching and kind of, you know, kissing each other on the cheek. But it was more of a curiosity thing. I remember like, I, it's like a very vivid memory. I remember like lying down with her and, like, lying together and be, like, oh, does your pee-pee, like, smell funny? Like, what does yours smell like? And that's how it started. And so that was my first experience. And I also think, for me, I started watching porn when I was in middle school. And before watching porn, I remember, like, listening to, like, more sexual music. Like, Naughty Girl by Beyonce was, like, <laughs> or um, the the original Diana Ross song that that was assembled from. Like I started, I think in introspection, a lot of the times when I was started watching porn, I was always watching the woman. Mm. And I think I don't really think that ever registered as, oh, that's something I'm interested in. Because I'd always be like, oh, but I'm not watching gay porn. I'm watching heterosexual porn. And so I concluded I was heterosexual rather than be like, oh, the person or the appear- or the body that I'm attracted to in this moment. Right. So I think that kind of realization came a lot later. Um but then started really like more experimenting. I wouldn't even say experimenting because I never really saw it as experimenting. I think I was just excitedly ho- had the opportunity to hook up with more people <laughs> who are not cis dudes yeah. in college.
3: I mean, even if you think back on like movies that we watch yeah. or, you know, so much stuff in, in retrospect, it's like, yeah, that's super gay. Like <laughs> I loved Bend It Like Beckham and I loved- I'm like this movie, like, <laughs> yeah it's, I mean, it's all there. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I feel like so much other little things like that where in retrospect, you're kind of like, Oh, that's what that was about. And, yeah. um, there was this like Google doc that was going around in the pandemic. I don't know if you ever were sent to or got, got, uh, exposed to it, but it's like this master sheet about queerness and towards femmes, like le- not femmes, but towards yeah. like women yeah uh, like lesbianism and um like getting women from bisexual to lesbian and talking about like compulsive hetero heterosexuality and that we're all kind of I mean not kind of we're all born into like a society that wants us to be straight and so sometimes we think that that's what we want and then when we have the space to like really think about it just like you're saying like reflecting journaling all that stuff um other things come other <laughs> things to the come. forefront. And I also remember in college, the reason that I didn't like hook up with non-men or like women as much is because it was so dramatic mm. and it would, I mean, I went to women's college, as you know, like it would just cause so much drama, like amongst friend groups. And to me, you know, I I hold my friendships like so sacred and wouldn't yeah. want to do anything to jeopardize that. And so that's something that I came up against in college as well as like the male gaze and how Mm -hmm. that plays into um, just being really sexualized. And, you know, I remember like my two friends making out with each other at a frat party and it's because they were into each other and wanted to hook up. But seeing them in the middle of a room with like all these guys staring, I was like, yeah, you know, Nico asks, how would you love a chance to save money on your insurance? and see all the ways you could save with great rates and discounts. It's easy. Simply go to geico.com to get a rate quote or contact your local agent and get started seeing how much you could save.
2: This show is part of the Pro-Democracy Podcast Coalition. I think most of us agree that in a functioning democracy, the winner should be determined by the voters. Well, that almost didn't happen in 2020. Now, extremists are working to intimidate and replace nonpartisan election workers with quote-unquote yes-men who might reject election results. The only thing that will stop them is us. We've partnered with the grassroots pro-democracy organization, Represent Us, to give you the tools you need to protect free and fair elections. Learn more and get involved. Visit represent.us slash pod to learn more. Well, okay, I guess I did make out with my friends in high school, but it was always for male gays. Mm -hmm. So I never assumed, I never took that as, like, I'm actually making out with this person because I want to. It was, like, to please a guy near us, right? I think the other fucked up thing that I reflect on in my high school relationship is it was kind of okay for me to make out with my girlfriends in public. Because it wasn't taken seriously, right? It was mm-hmm. like, and that's actually something that um, in my relationship with my ex-boyfriend, who you know, who I lived with, you know, that was also a past that I could hook up with girls because it wasn't like, it wasn't a real threat, right? Interesting. And I think that to me is like a little, a, like pretty stark homophobia in some ways of like, oh, that's not as serious. That's like a fun, that's like a fun thing to do. That's not because you're actually into that. But I do... I hear what you're saying. I think a lot of my, a lot of how I think I was programmed was to think of myself as seeking worth from being sexualized by men because of my fucking dad, right? Which was like, I gain my worth because my dad thinks I'm hot, or I gain my worth because my dad likes that other people think I'm hot. And so I think for me, like, even not in terms of who I was hooking up with, that's how I was interested in seeing myself. And in many ways, I think in middle school, the popularity hierarchy is built by which girls are the most hot to the boys, like the jocks, right? Like whoever has the biggest boobs, whoever has like the biggest eyelashes, which like was a big thing, like could bat their <laughs> eyelashes. Like it was like programmed where we were competing on the male who is most objectified. I was actually thinking about this the other day when I I listened to Emily Ratajkowski's book, My Body. Where she's talking about how like she felt empowered because she had the male gaze, but then realizing like we live in a patriarchy. And reading it, coming from like doing feminist academia, it's kind of like no shit, Emily Ratajkowski. But I'm so (laughs) glad that you have come to this realization. Yeah. But it did make me think more about how I thought that way in high school or in middle and high school, right? Which was like, as a young girl, you're focused on popularity, or you you know everybody kind of wants to be popular. And I was programmed to think of that as like competing for the male gaze. I also think I grew up around a lot of queerness because single mom who was in like a friend group of many, many gay men and lesbian friends, but there were no like lesbian femmes or bi Mm. femmes. It was like this very, I felt like I grew up around a big contrast of like flamboyant gay men and then very butch women. And so it was always a joke in, in, I think the circles that I was in around like lesbians were butch and were bigger and were Birkenstocks. And like we grew up, Portland's
3: really showing. Yeah. Portland, <laughs> like
2: people, Portland would be like, oh, like Birkenstocks were, if you wore Birkenstocks as a woman, you were gay. Like that is what like socially people talked about. So I think that for me, because of that, I looked in the mirror and I was not butch. And I've always very much been attached to my femininity and like my body and my boobs and whatever. And so I think for me, I was like, oh, I'm not that. So I've been, therefore, I am straight.
3: Yeah. And then the world reinforces that over and over. Yeah. And even now you'll say like, I'm queer. And people are like, really? Even I'll be surprised that some people don't know like that, know me pretty well. And I'm like, have you not been listening to the things
2: i say?" But I think it also goes (laughs) to highlight like how many, how much it's an assumed heterosexuality, right, in our society, which is like, oh, really? Because if you didn't say anything, you would be, you know. You'd be straight. When did you come out to your fam? Or did you ever come out to your fam?
3: I don't know if I I was ever like, I'm this. But I would just say that, like, I'm talking to this person or stuff like that. Yeah. In the past few years. Yeah. With my sister, we always talk really openly. With my mom, I tried to, like, express it. I don't know exactly when it clicked for her or... But I think it has now. And she was always really
2: open. (laughs)
3: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, she always raised us to being like, being very overt about being accepting about that kind of stuff, you know? Yeah. And I think that's the thing for the male gaze for me too, is like, I didn't realize how much I had... internalized it because, yeah. you know, just like you, like I was raised an all-female household with like yeah. feminist mom, like in all these spaces. And then it was going to college, like going to women's college that I realized how much of my self-esteem was built on that, like external validation from men Yeah, and walking around and be- being around no men and having no one make comments at me, like as I'm walking down the street, because as you know, the campus is in the middle of the woods, so yeah. there's no one there. Yeah. <laughs> and kind of just all the space that that usually takes in my life I was kind of left with empty and feeling like oh what like I thought that I was so independent I thought that I love myself and all this stuff but I mean we're raised in a society we can't really help it and I think that's what can be confusing about sexuality too it's like do I want to be her do I want to fuck her is it really me that wants to or is it just like society telling me this is what I should look like and sound like and how I should like sexualize myself because I also feel like the time that we were growing up the young girls that we were seeing in the media were so sexualized. Like I went to JoJo's concert a few weeks ago and thinking that she was singing those songs when she was like 14. And that's just one example. Like, you know, all the the young, I mean, even Beyonce was super young, like Cassie, Me and You. I remember that was like a big song for me, like in that era, in the sexual awakening era. And I mean, on the other side of like the men, it's like so misogynistic. And like, those are the lyrics that we're, Memorizing, too. I think that
2: so when I I think that a lot of for me, like it took a long time for me to be like, oh, I like making out with girls to, oh, this is something I'm actually romantically interested in. Because I think for a long time it was like I grew up being taught by rom coms and media that like you dream about getting married to a man wearing a black suit and then have babies. And you know, even now when I think of like where I'm going to be in 30 years, if I wasn't dating who I'm dating now, I think like my automatic is like, oh, well, it's just I've been conditioned to think that it's like a white dress and a black suit, you know, and like that. I think that it took a long time for me to dismantle a lot of that. But I think a lot of it, too, like even understanding the word pansexual in comparison like I don't say bisexual, not because I don't I necessarily think like I'm not that. But because I think that I still don't really understand it, right? And like, for example, I came out to my mom um, a few years ago. And my mom is also very progressive. But that conversation illuminated for me like a lot of the misconceptions that I grew up with in my own household. Because I did a lot of explaining. I think I told you about this where like, I told my mom like, oh, hey, I've been dating girls. And I've been hooking up with girls. And she was really surprised. She was like, oh, I always... I would never, you were the last daughter I thought who was going to be gay. But, and it kind of, it was like a lot of asking like, why? And it was a lot of because of how I dressed and what I was interested in. Then my mom said, but I guess it makes sense. I noticed you've been dressing really differently. And I was like, ooh. And then she asked if I was struggling with my gender identity. And like, if this meant that I was also questioning my gender. And it was really illuminating for me of... Like, oh, like this, like I have a single parent. Like a lot of what the beliefs I grew up with are obviously from my mom. My mom, of course, after you explain it to her again, like she's super open and very progressive and understanding of it. But it was an interesting conversation of being like, no mom, this does not mean I'm trans. This just means I'm hooking up with women. Right. And this isn't because something traumatic, this isn't a, a result of having trauma with men. Like there are a lot Um, there was a lot of nuance to that conversation that I think illuminated for me, like, oh, wow, like, these were ideas that I had a year ago.
3: Mm. Wait, she thought it was because of trauma with
2: men? I don't think it's, she thought it was because, but it was a question that she had. You know, it was a question of, is it because I don't feel safe with men, you know? Granted, I don't feel safe with men, (laughs) like, you know? (laughs) But, like, (laughs) that's not a reason. (laughs) I will say, though, I think the biggest thing that I... um, like the biggest way that it changed my life to hook up with women and to date women was I think it was the first time I understood consent and like how easy consent was because I, you know, also I think none of my sexual experiences early on were consensual at all. And even people always say like, Oh, the act of asking for consent or asking for a condom or putting on a condom is so awkward. And I never expected Met cis men to ask for my consent because I empathized with them that it was an awkward thing to do, and then and I've only ever hooked up with cis men who were bigger, like physically bigger than me, where I felt like I was physically, like fit, like literally physically not in power. Mm-hmm. And with women, or like I remember ho- having sex with a woman for the first time, being like, "Wow, I am physically much bigger. Like I'm physically taller, physically stronger." And I was also initiating and I had to ask for consent and I remember being really nervous about it and then doing it and feeling like really like a lot of joy from it and a lot of excitement and reward from it. And it was kind of this, oh wow, like that was really easy and that was really empowering and it made the whole experience better. Why doesn't everybody do that? And that was not something I'd ever felt before in hooking up with men.
3: Yeah. I felt too that, I mean, we have a lot of shared childhood trauma, Yeah, but I kind of felt that all of that made me really like hard towards men and like have a very, like, uh, yeah, a very hard exterior, like emotionally and, you know, in the kind of hookup culture that's like, if it feels like a game of like, who's going to catch feelings first, I would be like, well, it's not going to be me. yeah (laughs) That's for sure. Um, but hooking up with people that aren't cis men, I think allowed me to like expand into my softness Mm. and understand that I need to feel like even if it's not someone who is overtly threatening me, that still doesn't mean that I'm safe. Yeah. And I think being raised in a lot of like traumatic situations, I didn't really understand that of like, oh, just because I don't actively feel like I can't leave or, you know, anything like that, um, it still doesn't mean that I'm safe. And so I feel like- queerness has really taught me like what safety means in like all those different senses and just like softness and tenderness and, and communication Mm -hmm. and how, I don't know. I felt it, I think it's made me like a lot better lover and just (laughs) (laughs) communicator and person to be in relationship with, like regardless of the gender of the person that I'm with, because I think I saw it too much as like a, you know, I'm not going to let you take something from me yeah. or, you know, some sort of battle when really that's not what it is. And I feel like intellectually, I didn't think it was that, but still that's how it felt like in my body. Yeah. And so to be able to like release that and realize that when I look for people, regardless of their gender, like I would prefer if they're queer. Yeah. And, or, you know, have a deep understanding of like what that means and those experiences. And that can create the kind of like safety that I need to live my best life.
2: Yeah. Are you living your best life now?
3: I think I'm getting there. You're getting there? <laughs> yeah, yeah.
2: How has this influenced, if you don't mind me asking, like you're dating now? Like, do you feel like you, I, I know some people have like a preference for romance, like romantically inclined or things like that. Like, when
3: you're looking, what I don't does it have look that. like now? I, dating is hard. I want to meet more people in person. I mean, yeah. I told you this. I want to meet more people in person. I've been on the apps and I'm pretty like equal. across like gender on the apps but and I just use hinge really but it's just so hard because you know I get bored pretty easily so I feel like if we don't meet up soon after initiating conversation then it's probably not going to happen. So it's been hard actually getting to like the meeting up and seeing if it's someone that I like. Stage I yeah. feel like with dating, just because it's New York, everyone's doing so much different things and the scheduling and everything like that. The but scheduling is so I know, <laughs> but it it is so fun and I want to go to like queer rooftop parties and be with the girls this summer.
1: Yeah, yeah.
2: No, I do think that like for me, I'm at. I feel like a uh, like my friends who've been more out for a long time call me like a baby queer or baby gay because I feel like I'm just in my, like I really have only been publicly out for a, a year and a half. And, and part of that was because I had a conversation with Henry who I also had to do some explaining to because he asked me if it was a phase I was going to go back to, which was a whole conversation. <laughs> um, yeah, and who knows? But like, I think that, For me, I feel like I'm at the beginning of like, I don't know, like exploring even what it, how it comes into my life now, because it is such a big part of my identity. And it's hard when you don't have like the active way of expressing that in a heterosexual relationship. Right.
3: Yeah. I think for me, part of queerness also is letting go of a bunch of different like heteronormative ideas about relationships in general. And I think part of that- And part of that also is like deprioritizing romantic relationships as the most important relationship. Yeah. So seeing you know friendships and like sisterhoods and everything like that as equally important because these are all people that you need in your life and you can still have like queer friendships and other relationships and some people would argue also that because you're queer, you're still in a queer relationship, regardless of who the partner is. But I personally think that's to each person's personal preference with their partner in each situation.
2: I do think that something you said um, resonated with me because I've been feeling a lot of anxiety about if I want kids, because my partner knows that they want kids and they want kids yesterday. Like kind of, you know, maybe we have some logistics to figure out, but he's (laughs) eager and excited. And I think that identifying more as queer and like honestly doing a lot more of my own learning around queer history has really made me realize how much I just assumed I would have kids Mm. rather than I would actually actively want kids. And I think also to your point of like, I when I was in my toxic girl boss phase and I know I'm getting out of it, it was a lot of like work, boyfriend, work, boyfriend, and then the boyfriend would come and go, but it was like work and boyfriend and there wasn't a lot of room for family sisterhood or anything else. Or friends, and I think that like because of that, I never really, I didn't have a prolonged amount of time being single. Often, right? It was like Like I ever dude. We went
3: from boyfriend boyfriend to boyfriend, boyfriend,
2: and then I would like be hooking up with non-cis men between some of those. But otherwise, or during a boyfriend, I was hooking up with women because apparently that didn't count, right? Like, I think that there was a lot of that, and but I think that in learning, like I right now I'm reading the book the Ethical Slut. And that's honestly been really eye-opening because I think for me, it was realizing like, okay, why? Like, I definitely am still holding on to this idea of like, I have kids because the goal in life is to be this career woman who has it all and like can balance having a work and a family. And even watching like, t- like pop culture, like the shows that I'm watching right now, like Succession and Yellowstone, which are kind of similar and maybe <laughs> not the best examples. I'm not trying to build like a capitalist <laughs> empire, really. But, um, like that, those are both about like having families and figuring out like who your lineage is and like who it goes to, and like a lot of the TV shows and pop culture I watch, like, fucking Selling Sunset, and you know there's now a queer storyline. Did you watch Selling Sunset? One of the real real estate agents, Rochelle, like just came out as queer, and but like her the whole drama and her relationship with life was like she wanted kids, and like that is the end goal is to, like have make a lot of money and have kids. I think for me, like the more I think about my identity, the more I look at the world around me and I'm like, wow, I'm really programmed to want babies and I don't really want to do any of that right now. Or like, I don't feel like I want to do that at all. And maybe that will change down the line, but I don't know.
3: Yeah. The other thing about queerness is like thinking beyond binary Mm -hmm. broadly, but you know, it doesn't have to be like, yes, kids, no kids. You can be an auntie. You can have kids in your life. You know, there's so many different, like it's not black or white or like, you know, binary like that and same with like you know your idea of the white dress and the black suit like I think in movies and in pop culture you know we're sold that story with that ending and then they ride off into the sunset or then you know fades to black yeah but in real life like things go on so you could have one marriage you might have another one later down the line like who knows it does not like that's the final ending point and all of a sudden like your life is great Yeah, because I think that's something that I've been working through and healing around too is like there's no accomplishment or event that's going to automatically make me happy like happening happiness is something that's a daily practice and Mm. it's just a way of life and I think maybe that's like a queer lens on like living (laughs) or something but you know it's not just like one day I'll be like the perfect girl boss and I'll be super happy and perfectly balance my life and kids and everything that I ever wanted. It's just like those steps along the way.
2: Yeah. I think it's kind of, I feel kind of stupid sometimes just even like realizing how much I had these rose colored glasses on around, oh, it's like a heterosexual relationship with kids. Because then I look at my own life of like the evidence that it's given me and I'm like a child of divorce and like, a child sexual abuse survivor where it's like what in my real life like proved any of that was gonna or any of that was a reality you know
3: there's a lot of processing there to do <laughs> yeah a lot of processing a there. lot of processing but there. i think it's such a like exciting time for you to be you know having those kind of questions yeah. and thinking about yourself and your sexuality in this way. And I know you just read pleasure activism too. Yeah.
2: Which we love. What were your
3: thoughts on that? I
2: love pleasure activism. Um, I mean, I honestly think that the biggest takeaway for me from pleasure activism was understanding that pleasure wasn't just from sex because as you know, like I have a sh- hard time with self pleasure or pleasure in general. Like I haven't had sex in like three weeks cause I haven't wanted to. Mm. Like I kind of, and sometimes I'm like, Oh, maybe it's the antidepressants, but sometimes it's like my mind just isn't there. Like my mind isn't very present. And I've gotten, like, in my last relationship, I just never vocalized that. And so I would have sex and not enjoy it. And I've, like, been a lot more open about it. So, yeah, I think that for me, pleasure activism, the biggest takeaway from that book was that, like, pleasure and sexual erotic pleasure came from many different things, not just sex. And it could be from, like, I've been doing hot yoga every day, love. Like, that honestly feels like such a great, like, it's very orgasmic. Like, I'm just exhausted and sweating, and I love it so much, and I love it so much joy. Um, And I think that was a really big takeaway from that. I think the ethical slut has been interesting because um, I, well, first of all, Henry has been really understanding because I've been listening to it on speaker while I, like, clean the house, <laughs> and he, like, listens to me, like, very curious about all of this, and he's very monogamous. Like, le- you know, is very much more traditional and has no interest in anything beyond me- monogamy, which I think is maybe going to be our, you know kryptonite at some point potentially but we love him, him and I've been very open about it but I think that for me like um in reading the ethical slut that's been a whole different experience because it's all about it's like a, it's written as a playbook to be an ethical slut and to not be in a monogamous relationship like it's giving you exercises it's telling them about their personal stories it's saying here are strategies like I need literally,
3: to, wait what are what's a what's exercise
2: like an exercise is like Write down on a piece of paper what you want to hear from your partner, like how much in detail you want to hear, and how much, like, do you want to know where they had sex? Do you want to know their name? Do you want to know that there were other partners? Like, the Ethical Slut is written as a guide to being an Ethical Slut in a non-monogamous relationship with many partners. Mm -hmm. Like that is how the book is written. Pleasure Activism is different. I think Pleasure Activism is more of a sociological. Let's explore what pleasure is and how it can live in your life, and it's a little bit of a memoir. But Ethical Slut is different, and to be honest, I feel like I go through these waves of being like, I cannot be in a monogamous relationship. I feel very trapped. And I I have all these interests and explore. And sometimes I make mistakes because, ugh, you know, but then I, I read the ethical slut, And after reading a few chapters, I was like, I think I'm very comfortable in a monogamous relationship right now, because that sounds very complicated and very messy. Because <laughs> it talks about like, jealousy and yeah, organizing so it with real. kids. And I, I read some of it. And I'm like, fascinated and I love that for them pushing me out of what the bounds of what I thought was possible do I want that for myself right now no so I think the ethical slot to me has been a book that's been very eye-opening on what is possible and like dreaming about different utopias of relationships but it hasn't had the effect that I thought it would have like honestly I went into the book thinking oh I might read this book and be like I'm ready for an open relationship and honestly I kind of I'm like about 80% of the book way through the book. And I've been more like I sat down with Henry and I was like, I just want you to know, like, I've been reading this book and it's honestly made me more excited to invest in this monogamous relationship that I have. Yeah. Wow. So a lot of exploring.
3: Yeah. Well, I think the fact that you have a partner that you can talk to about that kind of stuff is a really good sign. and. Yeah. If you can't like have those kind of conversations, I would think that it's not the kind of relationship that you can be in to have these explorations that yeah. you need to have. But since you can, I think that's very powerful. Yeah. Yeah. And nice. That's I and for. I think another thing to clarify with being like queer, bisexual, pansexual is that it's not the same thing as being non-monogamous. Mm-hmm. Like I think that's a common misperception, honestly, yeah. about people that are bisexual or pansexual. Um, So I just wanted to clarify that it's not the same thing. You can be bisexual and monogamous or non-monogamous, but it's different parts of your identity.
2: And you can also, like me, still be in a heterosexual relationship with a cis dude um, that is monogamous and still be pansexual.
3: Yes. And you can dress however you want. Yeah.
2: (laughs) and also, I will say the thing that I feel in my heart is like the way I dress has absolutely nothing to do with my sexuality.
3: I completely agree. Like
2: gender expression, like the even the more I academically have language to talk about this, I'm like, g- again, gender, ex- like what someone wears has nothing to do with, you know. But then I, and I also kind of critique myself because I also navigate the world and I've always like, do I have a good gaydar? That person's gay, That's not person's not gay. And then I like check myself of like, why do I think that they're gay and all of that, um, which I think is a big learning. What do you want from the summer of your hot girl summer?
3: Hot girl summer.
2: Where everybody is coming out of the pandemic horny as fuck, by the way.
3: Truly. <laughs> really. Okay, let's see. For my hot girl summer, I really want to live, laugh, love. <laughs> <laughs> and I want to go on fun dates and have some fun summer flings.
2: Where can people find you on social in case they want to slide into your DMs?
3: Oh, my God. (laughs) Yes, please slide into my DMs. My Instagram is Jelena.kl. I feel like that'd be the best place.
2: Amazing. I think it'd be really fun to host some sort of party. Like, I've heard uh, from other friends that they'll, like, they've hosted single parties. Because I really like being a matchmaker and I love being a So you'll have it,
3: but it will just be people that you'll bring for me.
2: Yeah. (laughs) And my hope is that like people bring like three friends, like you kind of balance it out who I are would single. Love that. Right? Because then you're meeting in person. You know you're meeting people who are single and potentially looking like to date or for a relationship. And like everything's out. And, and you'd
3: open. be such a thorough matchmaker too. Yeah. Like I know I won't have to worry. Like you've already done a like very detailed background check. I would have <laughs> Google stalked them, their families, their jobs, their educational history. I know. Their, You'll have their yeah. net worth. Like. Yeah.
2: Because that's important, you know? <laughs> Like, I did like fine. Like, for me, I know in my dating life, like, I want to be financially taken care of. And I've dated people where like I have to pay for everything. And I'm just not about that. And it took me a while to release the shame of being like, yeah, that's what I want.
3: Yeah. I want to be loved and adored. Yeah. yeah. Do you think that what's your love language? I think it's physical touch. Yeah. Yeah. No wonder you don't like apps. Mm, yeah, but I grew up with a lot of gift giving. Like my mm. mom was really into gift giving, so I thought that it was that. And I do like gifts and stuff, but yeah, I think it's physical touch. Yeah, makes sense. What about you? Acts of service. Oh duh, yeah, yeah. I knew this. But my therapist <laughs>
2: calls me on it because the other day she was like, "Um, like what is it that Henry does that makes you feel really loved?" And I was like, "I love when he empties the dishwasher." before he leaves the house. And then she's like, is he there when you realize it? And I'm like, no. And she's like, what, something else. Sometimes he, like, like yesterday I felt so loved because he um got me denture cleaner and then cleaned my retainer. And then I came home to it and it was, like, really clean. That's and I was like, cute. wow, my retainer's never. And my therapist was like, it kind of sounds like you're talking about having a great house cleaner. Like, someone who's not there, you feel loved because they've done things that they're not there for even to experience that with you and I was like "Ooh,
3: I got some thinking to do about that
2: yeah anyways it's funny
3: coming from like the most touchy lovey-dovey couple yeah we're very
2: touchy lovey-dovey and I love but I think it's like I, that's a to me it comes it's so natural to our relationship that it's not the moment where I feel like extra loved you know yeah but I guess I need that I just haven't ever questioned it because it's very there
3: Well, that's good because your standard is already high.
2: And we love going on movie dates and dinner dates with Jelena. Yes. We have not (laughs) gone on a one-on-one date, but we've gone on multiple movie dates with Jelena. (laughs) And I've enjoyed that. Anyways, um, here's your hot girl summer and to celebrating Pride Month. Thank you so much for joining me. Thanks for having me. And we'll see you next Wednesday.